0: So, in order to cover this week and next week, it's sort of like a part one and part two. This morning, I want us to look at some pictures on the screen, and I want you to tell me who these folks are, and in just a minute, what they all have in common. So, take a look. Who is that? Osama Bin Laden, right. Next one. I see y'all are all about shouting out Cruella de uh, Maybe we just don't want to say Osama bin Laden in, in worship. Uh, Cruella de Vil, very good. Next. Hitler. Next. Dr. Evil. He's one of my favorite. He takes his pinky up to his lips and he he talks like this. Dr. Evil. So I love, I love Dr. Evil. Well, not really. I don't love him, but he's funny. All right. And the last one. Voldemort from Harry Potter series. The reason, well, what do they all have in common? Evil evil they all embody evil and so what we're going to learn in just a minute about the words in the hebrew scriptures what we call the old testament is they all embody the hebrew word hasatan which is the Satan. There, uh, My interpretation of scripture and what I've read and understood is there's not one little red man with a pitchfork running around doing bad things. Evil, I do believe, exists. There are opposing forces in this world, good and evil. However, we have come up with this term called the devil or Satan, and uh, that embodies evil. So we're going to look at that in just a second, but I wanted to show you some of those examples that we have in our own real realms of existence and also fictional characters. Characters today. It's the same procedure, follow the steps and you will succeed. Mark the pivot element, the so called pivot element, in the corner here. Divide the whole first line through the pivot element. The number is now one in the pivot element. I want you to hear this passage taken from the Gospel of Luke. Jesus had been with his disciples, and there was this great new energy and passion among the people. And they were falling in love with God in this whole new way. And he was introducing them to the kingdom of God in a whole new way. And so Jesus had called over 70 folks together and then said, Look, I want you to go, and I want you to go spread this message of hope and this this promise of peace and love, and I want you to go heal people. And so he sent them out. It's not a passage that perhaps is very familiar to us. And so he sends them out, and they go and they do what he has taught and instructed them to do, and then listen to what happens when they come back, and they sort of report how it went. Pay very close attention to the words that we have recorded here in the Gospel of Luke that Jesus says in response. So, the return of the 70 is the section in Luke we're looking at, Luke chapter 10, starting with verse 17. The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name even the demons submit... To us. And he, being Jesus, said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and all over the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Now, i want to do something that I don't normally do here at West. Uh, I'm going to do an exegetical way of preaching. We're going to look at just a few verses, talk about it, look at a few verses, talk about it. Because, you see, I believe, and based on your responses to me in wanting to hear about the devil and hear more about being saved, uh, you asked for this information for a reason. I don't believe, truthfully, it was, you know, to play this game called Stump the Pastor, I grew up, as many did of you, with this idea that, you know, in the beginning, God created man and woman. They were called Adam and Eve. And they lived in this Garden of Eden, this state of absolute bliss and perfection. And then all of a sudden, Satan came, tempted Eve. She's the one who messed it up for everybody, remember? It was only her. And so... Thank you for laughing. I appreciate that. Uh, so she messed it up for everybody. She gave in to the temptation of Satan, and then the rest is history. And when we think of that word, Satan, I believe that we think of a little red man with a pitchfork, you know, the devil. And then we read in the New Testament, as soon as Jesus is baptized, he goes out into the wilderness, and he, too, is tempted by Satan Satan is the word that we find in scriptures, and it's used in different ways, but in order to understand Satan, we also have to understand the term evil, and, and what, or what at least the theologians that I have read and studied say that that term means in the Hebrew scripture and also in the New Testament scriptures. And one of the most interesting things that I've found in studying this is that the word evil there are lots of different words. Like, we read one English translation of the word evil, and we see it all throughout Scripture, from the beginning to the end. Well, if you study the Greek and the Hebrew words that it translates to, there's lots of different ones. So this morning, what I want to suggest to us, the understanding of evil, is this. It is something that is done to bring gratification to the person that is doing it, but they know that it is wrong. So let me say that one more time. This is like a a very baseline definition of evil, taking all the different examples that it's used in scriptures and understanding it. So evil, it is when something is done for the self-gratification of someone, but it is done even knowing that it is wrong. So for instance, uh, let me pretend I'm back, I have not done this, so uh, I'll disclaimer that to start with, uh, but let's pretend I'm in high school and I'm in love with this young man and he's handsome and everything that I've ever wanted in a, in a boyfriend and he breaks up with me and he breaks up with me for my best friend and I am angry about that. So I decide that out of my anger, out of my hurt, I'm going to teach her a lesson Uh, Because, you see, one of the things that she really values in her life is her car. And her car is very, very important to her. She's waited, you know, 16 years, blah, blah, blah. And so I take my car keys, and I go, and I'm going to uh, show her that perhaps you don't mess with something that is not yours. So I take my keys and I scratch them all the way down her car. Now, I do know of people that that happened to. I did not do it, but I do know of people that that did happen to. That was a very popular way to get revenge back in the 1980s. It was you would go key somebody's car. That's evil. I did it. Well, I didn't do it, but... (laughs) In the story, I would have done it, you know, to, to get back at someone. Did I know that that would be wrong? Yes. You don't go mess up somebody's car because your boyfriend or my boyfriend isn't dating me anymore and is dating them. Um, that's an example, one example of evil. It's a very innocuous example on purpose. Because you see, evil does exist in our world. The first picture that you saw on the screens was a real man who lived out evil. And then the other picture that you saw that was a a real person in real life, uh, Hitler, next week we're going to talk about bin Laden and Hitler and currently ISIS and, and what that means and how it relates to evil. But, but just note, you know, there, there are lots of different ways of understanding that and interpreting that. And so I wanted to point that out this morning. Now, let's go back to this passage in Luke. Luke chapter 10, the 70, the 70 who went out with Jesus, they returned with joy, saying, Lord, even in your name, the demons submit to us. Now, what What do they mean, demons? Well, keep in mind back then, and and if you read the New Testament scriptures, you will see that the disciples and Jesus would go and heal people. They would cast out demons. Well, back then, and remember this is several thousand years ago, if there was anything that people did not understand, they would attach the word demon to it. Uh, If someone had a mental illness and we would diagnose that today as schizophrenia or something like that, it in scripture is referred to as a demon. So keep that in mind. Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. And Jesus said, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. Now, Do we believe that a little red man fell out of the skies like lightning? No. I don't believe that that is what Jesus meant at all. In fact, what he was trying to say to them, I believe, is that, look, when you do things in the name of love, in the name of God, when you go about and you live your life in the name of love and in the name of God, then then powerful, amazing, good Happy things happen, and evil, it goes away. Now, I want you to think about a pathway. And this is what it goes back to Adam and Eve in the beginning. So if we're all created with this ability to choose between right and wrong... And we are on this journey, this journey to be at one with God. Richard Rohr, uh, the Anglican priest, talks about our shadow side, and we have two halves of life, and we are falling upward. We are born, and we're born into this this human state, and then as we live, we are trying to overcome our shadow side and overcome that darkness and enter back into this period of light. So... Uh, if that clock right there that tells me that it's 1033 and you're very glad that I have it in front of me, if that is my end point, that's my end goal, that's the end of my life and I start here, now I'm starting on my journey, so I start walking and I start taking my journey. Well, we have these, these thoughts in our heads that, you know, try to get us to do things, things that perhaps we know are not right. We do have this thing called a conscience and it pulls at us because there are things that We do to choose between good and bad, good and evil. So we we choose and we end up over here. And I'm going in the darkness if you're worshiping with us online on purpose because you see, the further we get away from that being at one with God, the further we end up in the darkness. Now, just as there's this pull in us to make us do things that we know are not right, there's this other side that pulls at us and it's the light. And so as we keep journeying, there are going to be times that we're way over there and then there are going to be times that we're way over here and we keep going back and forth. And the goal is, as we continue to live our lives, as we wake up each day, we got a new shot at it. We've got a new shot at putting our feet on the floor and going about our day and, and not messing up like we did the day before, choosing, choosing good over bad choosing light over darkness, and not giving in to evil. Now, I want you to think about the definitions of evil again for just a second. I told you that there are many different ways that it's used in the Old Testament, the New Testament scriptures, and so if you look at this word evil, and it is defined as anything that someone does for self-gratification that hurts someone else that's like a very baseline definition now let's think about it this way it is that which we know is wrong but we choose to do it anyway knowing that it's wrong and that it will hurt other people you know it's going to hurt somebody else you know it's for your own good but you do it anyway well, that's a, a more harsh, a more intense definition of evil. And then the final definition is uh, when you seek out how to bring harm to other people for one's own gratification or desires. And that's actually the definition that we'll explore even more next week when you start looking at things like Hitler and Bin Laden and ISIS or the Rwandan genocide, things that happen in our world every day. That's that definition. You seek out how to hurt other people. Your primary goal is to hurt other people so that you can receive satisfaction. Now, that's like the worst kind of evil, but let's go back to the first kind for just a second. Now, I want to say before I talk about this part that some churches and some faith traditions that perhaps many of you have worshiped with over the course of your life, every Sunday going to church is like going to get beat up a little. You know, you go in and you hear how bad you are or how you don't give enough money or how you should serve more do more or how you think impure thoughts. My church growing up, we didn't they didn't really push about money or, you know, make people feel guilty cuz you weren't serving on a ministry team or something like that. What they focused on were all the moral evils of the world Uh, i was southern baptist so drinking was absolutely you know a no-no the joke was how do you know the difference between the baptist and the methodist the methodist will speak to you coming out of the liquor store and the baptist will not they act like they've never met you before I always wondered, and my father would be fine with me explaining to you that he drank. I never knew what the ABC store was all my life. And we would go when we were out of town. And so after my mom, yeah, after my mom died, my dad would uh, take me back to visit all my family in Roxborough, which is like three and a half hours away from Sawmills Mills, where I grew up. And we would always stop. But now note, not in Roxborough where my dad knew, you know, almost everybody, a small town. We would stop in mebben which was like, you know, 30 to 45 minutes on the outskirts of Roxborough. And he would go in this store. I would sit in the car, and then he would come out with this brown bag. I could never see what was in it. And I'd be like, Daddy, what'd you go get? Nothing, you don't need to worry about it. Well, my dad, you know, he was in the military for 21 years before he and my mom had me. So when he said, it's none of your business, I took that to mean very literally, it's none of your business and you will not ask. So I didn't, I didn't inquire anymore. It was only until I went to college, led a very sheltered life, until I went to college and finally turned 21 and went with someone to the ABC store. I'm like, this is it? No pun intended. Uh, Look at all these pretty bottles. Oh, my goodness. I didn't know there were that many different kinds of alcohol. Now, truthfully, looking back, I'm sort of glad that I didn't because heaven only knows what I would have gotten in trouble with if I had known all those things existed. But I was convinced that the rapture, where the world was going to come to an end, and Jesus, the figure, the white Jesus that I had worked up in my mind because nobody ever told me he was from the Middle East and he would not be white, blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus... Uh, by the way, uh, that Jesus would not ascend from the clouds and, you know, all the bad people, all the evil people were going to be over here and all the angelic little good Christian people would be over here and they would be taken up on clouds with Jesus to the heavens and the rest of us would burn in hell. And if you drank, if you had premarital sex, if you cussed, if you did any of those things, then guess which little camp you got to end up in. So, I grew up probably the most unadventuresome teenager ever, because I was convinced if I did those things, if I drank, if I did any of those things, I was going to end up over in the the flames of hell that you saw on the screen. Now... One of the criticisms of the new way of doing church or new way of doing spirituality is that, you know, pastors that are doing things like we do them here, we don't come down on you hard enough. I believe that we all in this room and those of us worshiping online, we all know the difference between good and bad. We do. Sin, hamartia, anything that comes in between you and your relationship, remember that pathway that I talked about just a minute ago? You know, going to the light, going to be at one with God. God embodies light and love. You know, sin is anything that gets in the way of that path. Well, guess what? What that is for me and what that is for you might be two very different things. I think there are some universal things like killing killing people. I do believe there's probably not... A lot of ways that we can go directly to that and be at one unless, and see, even this gets gray. You're serving to protect other people. As United Methodists, we believe in just war. We're not pacifists. We believe in just war, just causes for war. But, you know, I think we'd all agree that if we were to go out and maliciously take someone else's life, we could call that a sin. But let's go to my Baptist upbringing because that's the least threatening because I can make it about me and not about you. And I ask that then you explore your own life. Drinking. In high school, I would have been underaged, And I would not have had enough moral and spiritual development and maturity, physical and emotional maturity, to know when to stop, to know not to do wrong things, etc. So, yes, drinking would have been a sin then. Do I think it is a sin now? I think it could be. But I'm not going to tell you that all drinking is a sin. I'm just not going to. Because, you see, does it come in between you and your relationship with God? Does it bring harm to other people? If you drink, if I drink, and we become mean, or we become loose-lipped, and we say things that are hurtful, or we text things that are hurtful, because, you see, we live in a whole different age, we have more technology available to us when we are inhibited, uh, then it's wrong. That's why we have to walk very, very loosely around things like that as a faith community. You're not going to find many absolutes here as far as behaviors. What you will find are absolutes on that there is a dual struggle in this world a struggle between good and a struggle between evil and things that we do take moral stances on in our society i do believe they there's this continuum and you have to look At the continuum and look at them individually. I will be more than happy, probably not on this platform, to tell you what my opinions are or show you our book of discipline and our social principles. But to stand here and slam down on top of you and make you feel this big is not my job My job is to poke enough interest in your heart and mind so that when you start doing things and I start doing things, we stop and ask ourselves, am I doing this for me? Am I doing this so I'm going to feel better or more important or feed my ego or have more power or more control or look better in other people's eyes? Because if I'm doing that, then guess what? That's a sin. That is evil. We don't like to think about the fact that we each do evil, but we do. One famous literary person said that evil is a line that cuts through the heart of every person. Someone else said that evil sits at every dinner table and sleeps with us all at night. And that does not mean whoever you happen to be sharing a bed with at the time. We don't like to think about the fact that we have capacity for evil, but we do. And so this morning, for just a few minutes, I want us to think about that. And actually, over the next six to seven days, before we gather together, either virtually or in person, what could life be like if we would examine all of our actions? You see, that's my job. To cause us to think. Because you see, if 300 people think about what we do and how we could change, then the ripple effect of that that uh, hits the local community of Lake Norman and then Mooresville and then New York State and other places that we have people worshiping with us, uh, the effect is great. So I'm going to give you an example House of Cards. It's a popular TV show. Another one is called Scandal. I want you to clap if you've ever seen either of those two shows, House of Cards or Scandal. In this book of Luke, at the end when Jesus tells them about, you know, the devil and demons and Demons falling out of the sky and Satan falling like a flash of lightning. Jesus went on to say, I've given you the authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and all over the power of the enemy and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this as the spirits that submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven Heaven, that state of perfection, that state of bliss, that place where we are at one with God, our names are written there, not in a book, but when we live like that and when we live when we live good, when we live drawn to light and to love then then we are at one with god that 's I believe what Jesus meant, and he wanted them to know, and I think he wants us to know that we do have the power for good to win over evil. Remember the tug of war, the darkness versus the light. Terry Moore, one of my old senior pastors, used to say that wherever uh, God was at work, wherever good was at work, he would know that it would be pretty soon that some giant hurdle in ministry would come to him or in his personal life because there's this opposing force. Sometimes we are the bearers of the opposing force, but Jesus wanted all the followers to know, look, I live out good. I am trying to live out being a person who does only good, and I live at one with God, which is love. And that then causes it to be this kingdom of God, this kingdom of heaven, because we're living in the light not in darkness so you do have the power to step on the scorpions and the snakes remember the image from genesis where adam and eve encountered satan it was a serpent it was not a man with a pitchfork So you have that image in your mind from thousands of years before. Well, then you have this story that, or this example of Jesus telling the disciples, you've got the power to step on the scorpions and the snakes. You have that power. What does that mean? You've got the power. You've got the ability to choose good over evil. So back to the example of House of Cards and Scandal. Uh, I'm fascinated with those two programs you see, they are real life, like, you know, politicians, White House, Washington, D.C., all this kind of stuff, and, and they show you examples of people's lives. Now, take House of Cards. It's this guy, Frank Underwood, and he is, you know, the I'm going to get all my politician names wrong here at the beginning, but he's like the Secretary of State or something like that, and then he ends up becoming the Vice President. And then he ends up, if you've not watched it, and this is a spoiler, then go like this if you want to watch it so I don't mess it up for you, but he ends up being President. Now, he ends up being President not because the people vote for him and choose him to take that office He ends up having the opportunity to become president because he manipulates the daylights out of all the other people, circumstances, and he is driven by evil. He's driven by his own desire to have more, his own self-gratification. And so guess what? Once he starts, it's like this giant snowball effect, and it keeps going and going and going. The whole show is built around evil. Now, I'm not telling you that to slam the show. I watch the show. I'm fascinated by it. But I am telling you that so that maybe we'll stop and look at it and think about, you know what? So he does one bad thing, and then he has to do more bad things to cover up the one bad thing, and then he does more bad things to cover up the one bad thing, and it it ends up being a cumulative effect. But Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from the heavens like a flash of lightning. You have the power to step on the scorpions and the snakes. Good has the power to win over evil every time. So, what are you going to do with that? And what am I going to do with that? I don't want you to leave today thinking that I have like chastised you or anything like that, nor do I from my United Methodist pastor friends that watch us online. I don't need emails telling me that drinking is wrong, okay? I don't want you to think I just gave you all a free ticket to go to the ABC store and I'm buying alcohol for you. I don't want you to think that. I think lots of things that are intended for one purpose can be used for a negative purpose and for bad or for evil but it's up to us. It's up to each of us. So whether it's an email that you're thinking about sending and maybe you just need to click delete, or maybe it's a conversation about someone else that you you know you're only doing it to make yourself feel better because perhaps we're insecure, or maybe it's the IRS and, and our paychecks and how we divide all that out. You know, I'm telling you I hope light and easy things to make you just think. We all need to think because our actions impact others. And as followers of Christ, we are called to walk in the way that leads to life, which is the way of light. Are you doing it for self-gratification? Am I doing it for my own self-gratification? Or am I doing it because I love God and love other people? That's the question. It's a question we all can ask. And then as we answer it, we will see that lives and people change. Let us pray. Gracious God, thank you for being a God that shows us that there are opposing forces, good versus bad, good versus evil, and you give us the power to withstand the negative. Jesus gave us the best example of that when he hung on the cross and said, forgive them for they know not what they do. God, we all have that power to forgive and to live and to love. Show us the way and show us how we can walk in ways that lead to life. In Christ's name, amen.